Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 10. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 10. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. I've said this before. I said, you know, if, if, um, if I were not a preacher, I'd probably own a restaurant. And, um, but I believe, that, you know, believe it or not, I believe that what I'm doing and, and owning a restaurant are, are greatly related. One is just a spiritual version, uh, you know, in other words, preparing food and serving it to people um, is, is one of the great joys of my life. I love to do that. Looking forward to our Thanksgiving dinner. And, man, we, you know, we make that chicken and dressing and just all that stuff. And I enjoy doing that physically, but, but we're doing a spiritual version of that um, when we're together to, to prepare a spiritual meal uh, for you and to spread it out before you for you to uh, partake of and, and be fed with and, and for us to grow and learn uh, together. And um, I never have time to give you all I've got, but I'm going to give you what i got tonight. And I believe the Lord's going to bless it. Amen? All right, so um, Hebrews chapter 2, let's begin at verse number 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Now this morning we talked a little bit about battleground truth. And we said that the enemy doesn't want you to know any truth. But there are certain truths that he fights more than others because of the implications uh, involved for him um, for a born-again believer to get a hold of that truth, for us to renew our minds to those truths. And I'm not just talking about hearing it. Please, please know this, okay? It's important for us to hear faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, but not by having heard. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Amen? And, and so there's this idea of internalizing the Word of God. And that's just another way of saying, you know, that word, the word of God, the truth of God, you taking it into yourself, into your heart, and, and holding on to that, not letting it slip, um, and it becoming a part of you. James used the, the, the uh, example of a branch being grafted into a tree, that we would receive the Word of God with meekness and it, that it would become engrafted. And, and so when a branch is grafted in, eventually it, it becomes a part of the tree and the tree becomes a part of it. They become one. And, and so we're talking about not just hearing the truth, but chewing on it, swallowing it, digesting it, to, to it becoming a part um, of you. Amen. And, and so, again, if you hear it, the enemy's going to try to steal it from you before you understand it or before you put roots down in it and become established or before it starts to produce you know, fruits and results um, in your life, okay? Now, we also said that the stronger the truth, the greater the resistance surrounding that truth. And, and we happen to be led by the Spirit to an area of truth that is among the strongest in all the Word of God. And it's very important that we understand that and we recognize the resistance that is around this truth and not allow the enemy uh, to defeat us, to, to not allow the enemy to distract us, to not allow the enemy 
to steal this truth because this truth will multiply grace and peace in your life exponentially. Exponentially. In other words, if you're interested in growing, amen, then grab hold of some of this stuff. Amen. It's, it's, it's like, what, is it, what are those branch chain amino acids for our bodybuilders? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's the stuff that, that your, your muscles or your spiritual muscles are, are craving. Um, and it will, I believe, make uh, tremendous results in your life. All right. So let's, let's kind of, not kind of, let's just begin to, uh, you know, unpack this. And it's, verse 10 is speaking of, of Jesus. And, and I love this idea that he's identified as the captain of our salvation. And the captain of our salvation is bringing many sons, not just to salvation, not just to forgiveness, not just uh, to the kingdom, but bringing many sons to glory. Amen. Bringing many sons to glory. For both he who sanctifies, this of course would be God, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are all a part of what it means for us to be sanctified. For he who sanctifies, both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. Well, if you hadn't figured that out yet, we are the ones being sanctified. That would, that would be where we are spoken of in this passage. He says, both he who sanctifies, which is God, and those who are being sanctified, which is born-again believers, are all of one. Now, don't choke on this, but that literally means one and the same. One and the same. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are one and the same, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I don't forget years ago, um, we were involved in a church and Ma Matthew had, had just basically, I, I don't know if he was talking, I think it was before a song, he was going to sing a song and, and he just mentioned about, you know, God being our father and Jesus being our elder brother and, and just kind of made a few just casual comments about that. Oh my goodness, there were some people that just became infuriated and went to the pastor about it. Can you believe that he would dare make such a statement? And, and so I hope that, you know, we're all past that level of understanding the truth tonight. Amen. Um, because God is our Father. When Jesus told us to pray, He said, he said pray, to, pray this way, our Father. In other words, Jesus' dad um, and my dad are the same dad. He didn't say, you pray to my Father. He said, let us pray to our Father. So our Father who art in heaven, right? I mean, it's right there in the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, and then, of course, we see not just here, but in so many other places in the Scriptures where it clearly states that we've been born of God. We've been born of His seed. Jesus is no longer the only begotten Son of God. He's now, the Bible says, the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. So notice now he's saying that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his, I'm going to, I know I explained this this morning. You say, well, I'm a female. Does that make me his sister? If it helps you, yes, but, but that doesn't mean that you're second class. In their culture, females were not included in the inheritance. Females were, were, were basically in a completely different category. Um, and, and so the Bible says there's neither male nor female, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. So even the, the female gender um, has the same position, the same acceptance, the same inclusion as 
not just the sons, but as the firstborn son. That's what it means to be an heir of God and a co-heir or joint heir with Jesus. With Jesus. So again, He is not ashamed to call you His brother. The problem we have is so many in the body of Christ are ashamed for Him to call them that. They, 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 they are embarrassed, or, or, or they, they are embarrassed to boldly, confidently say, Jesus is my brother. Listen, God is my Father, and I mean it in all respect, but the spirit of adoption He put in my heart, something inside of me cries out and calls Him Daddy, calls Him Papa, calls Him Abba. Amen. So th this is not just a technicality. This, this is not just um, you, you know, something for show. This is literal in every way. And, and, and you say, well, Pastor Mark, I have a hard time seeing myself in that, in that way. I have a hard time seeing myself in that light. Well, amen, we need to grow in this area, but you rest assured tonight, our Heavenly Father has no problem whatsoever seeing you in that light, and Jesus, our elder brother, has no problem whatsoever seeing you in that light or referring to you in that way. In other words, if there's a problem, it's on our end, not on His end. Not on his end. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, one and the same, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, I want to I point out something else just real quick right here, okay? And Dr. Neil T. Anderson is the one who, who, who the Lord used to reveal this to me. And, and he basically says it this way, okay? There, there are, you know, two basic categories of Scripture. There are scriptures that fall into the category that would be labeled imperative. Now, if that's not a word you use very much, let me try to break down an imperative. An imperative is something that, that needs to be done. It's, it's a responsibility, a duty, some kind of commandment, some kind of instruction. So any kind of scripture, and there's lots of them, any scripture in the Word of God that, that would tell you and me something to do, give us some, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Right? Given it shall be given unto you. All these verses that include instructions for us. Okay, But then, I, I want you to be aware of this. There's a whole different category of Scripture that would fall into the category of, or the title of indicative. An imperative and indicative are not the same. An indicative, the root of indicative is the word indicate. This would simply be a, a, a passage of Scripture, a verse of Scripture that exists for the purpose of indicating something that's now true about you because you've been born again. There's no imperative, there's no instruction, there's no duty, there's no uh, uh, assignment or commandment given. And so I want you to notice that Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 are pure 100%. Sometimes there's a hybrid. In other words, there's a, there's a combination of both you know, instruction and um, uh, indication. But here, it's just straight... Indicative. This, let me say it another way. He's not asking us here. He's, he's not saying, what do, you, what do you think about this? What, what's your opinion on this? He is simply stating the truth. And the truth is, both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are one in the same. For which reason he is not ashamed to call us brothers. To call us brothers. Now, as we go further in our study 
of this subject, we're just simply titling it Oneness. W-O-N-E-N-E-S-S. Let me put it up on the screen just for those of you taking notes. Oneness. Okay? Um, we said that we are growing in the truth of our oneness with God. Okay? And here we have a passage that clearly states our oneness with God. Now, as the Holy Spirit has led me into this study and has been revealing several things to me about this, the one thing that He has emphasized is how many times we find this word sanctify connected to this subject of oneness. Notice we see here, specifically, the one who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. Oneness, one and the same. Okay? Now, I want you to go with me now to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. Hebrews 10 and 14. And it says this, For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, who are being sanctified. Now, one of the things that we mentioned this morning is that while our salvation was an instant work, it, 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 as far as our spirit being born again, that took place um, instantly and completely. Right? This is why the, the Bible uses the terminology have been saved or even have been sanctified. This is speaking of a past completed work. But now in this passage, he says, for by one offering, and this is speaking of Jesus offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins, that by that one offering, he has perfected forever. Has perfected is past tense. But notice, at the same time he identifies a part of the work of salvation that is complete, he also identifies a part that is ongoing. So he says, on one hand, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Are being sanctified is not speaking of a past completed work, but it is speaking of a continual or ongoing work. This passage is literally saying, you are a perfect work in progress. And you think, well, how in the world can I be a perfect work if I'm a work in progress also? Because the perfect work is the work that has been done by God at the spirit level of your being. Your spirit, the real you, has been born a second time of an incorruptible seed and has been, come, has been joined to and has become one with God's spirit. Amen. And if you could step outside of your body tonight as a born-again believer, you already look just like Jesus at that level of your existence. So this part that is a work in progress is not your spirit, it's your mind, will, and emotions. It's the part of you the Bible calls your soul. The part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that chooses. And this is where we are coming to the knowledge of the truth. 
And this is where the, the truth factor, the knowledge of the truth, the truth of God that we, that the knowledge of God and, and of Jesus His Son that, that we have received, taken into our being, has, have allowed to become a part of our lives. Amen. The grace of God, undeserved favor of God, the peace of God, the health, the well-being, the prosperity, and every kind of good is multiplied by that factor of truth operating in our lives. Okay? So now, we come to this subject of strong truth. Strong truth. And what we're talking about now is among the strongest truth there is for us to lay hold of. Turn with me now to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Praise God. So again, we've, we've seen our first passage where we've become one with God and because we are now one with Him, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Can I, can I say it this way? And, and, and if you think I'm adding to here, just stay tuned. we got more to come on this. He has no problem whatsoever saying He's one with you. Do you have a problem saying that you're one with Him? He has, he has no problems. Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, Michael's my brother. He has no problem with that. He has no problem. Emily's mine. He, he has no problem saying that. Right? So there's no shame on his side. The reluctance, the awkwardness, the, 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 the intimidation is on our side. But not for long. Amen? Alright, I want to jump in at verse 17 and then we'll move back up to around verse 9 and start working our way through this. But notice what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17. He's praying to His Father. It's written in red and He says this to His Father. Father, sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. Sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. Now, what we have in John, the 17th chapter, is some of the most amazing verses in all the Bible speaking to our oneness with God. But I want you to notice again that in the middle of Jesus talking to His Father about this important truth, that we have sanctification mentioned yet again. So let's talk for just a moment about sanctification or what it means to be sanctified. Alright? The word sanctify simply means, and obviously we're going to build on this, but it simply means set apart. Set apart. We have dishes in our house. They're in the cabinet over the microwave. And they are sanctified dishes. They are set apart for Christmas. 
We do not use them any other time but Christmas. We don't put barbecue the 4th of July on those plates. We don't put Thanksgiving dinner on those plates. We don't put birthday dinner on those plates. They're set apart from all other occasions. We don't put bologna sandwiches on those plates. They're set apart for all other... I almost kind of breached it last night. Pam made some of the best Mexican soup, chicken soup last night. And um, she set out our regular dishes, you know, it's kind of a smaller bowl. It wasn't a full-fledged Christmas dish, but it was a snowman bowl, okay? But it's a big bowl, Brother Ronnie. I wanted a big bowl of that soup, so I got me a big bowl, right? And uh, so Jake looked over and he said, where'd you get the big bowl? I said, well, I'm the big guy, you know what I'm saying? I got the big bowl. No, I'm just got it. All right. So they're set apart. Now, I don't look at those dishes and say, you're not for barbecue, you're not for birthday cake, you're not for chicken and dressing at Thanksgiving, you're not for bologna sandwiches. I look at those dishes and I say, you're for Christmas. See, when we think in terms of sanctification, we often think in terms of what we're set apart from. We think in terms of being set apart from the world. That's true. But sanctification is not just what you're set apart from. It's not just what you've, you, you know, the Holy Spirit and, 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 and God the Father and, and Jesus are trying to, to get us to disconnect from. It's sanctification ultimately, to understand it, you have to understand destination. Amen. And the destination of your sanctification is to be set apart unto God. So it's not that the dishes aren't for 4th of July, it's that they are for Christmas. Do you see the difference? Both statements are true, but it's the attitude or the, or the perspective of, of what it means for that, what purpose that dish, that plate serves. See, that's part of the problems with sanctification. We hear this and, and all we hear is clean up our act. We hear sanctification and all we hear is get the garbage out of our lives. We hear sanctification and we hear things like quit smoking, quit this, quit that, stop this, do that. And, and listen, all of that are things that, you know, if you need to work on them, work on them. But that in and of itself is not sanctification. Sanctification is what you're set apart unto. Sanctified simply means set apart and it's speaking of a process by which a thing is taken out of service to that which is common. Listen to me now. Taken out of service to that which is common and placed into serving that which is sacred. Now I'm not trying to take this Christmas dish illustration too far here. But it does add something to the Christmas dinner, the fact that we're now eating on a dish that we do not eat on every day. It adds a, a, a special touch, if you will. Are you following what I'm saying? We, we, don't just, we don't just eat it on paper plates or whatever. It's a special occasion, and, and we honor that special occasion with a special dish for that special occasion. 
you know, really, I mean, we may, we have Alabama plates that we eat on, you know, game day or what have you, paper plates, that kind of thing. But really, no other occasion gets that, warrants that. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So, I'm not trying to say that those dishes are sacred, but I'm trying to show you that they're, they're treated special because they're for something special. They're not treated common or average like every other dish that we have in our cabinet or a paper plate that we might use, you know, to put a sandwich on or something. So I want to go back to it. Biblical sanctification is speaking of a process by which a thing is taken out of service to that which is common and placed into serving that which is sacred. It speaks of devotion. It speaks of purification. And it speaks of cleansing. So anytime we are understanding sanctification, we need to understand it as God's effort, an effort on God's part to take you and me out of what is common and, 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 and serving what is common and putting us into the serving of something sacred or even the service of supernatural, of something supernatural. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here tonight? Let me... Let me Again, the context of John 17, and we haven't even gotten these other verses yet, the context of John 17 is, Father, that they may be one with us, that they may be one in me, and, and one with you and with me, as I am one with you and you're one with me. That's the context of this. And yet, it's, it's, it's framed within this truth of sanctification because he's not just talking about what we're separated from, he's talking about what we're separated to, and he's not just talking about what we're separated to in the terms of obedience and service and, and, and sacrifice. No, he's ultimately talking about our being separated from that which is common to that which is so uncommon not many people even believe it. Our being separated unto oneness with God. Amen. Amen. All right. If you haven't figured this out by now, the truth is what sets us apart. The truth is what sets us apart. What's the difference between a man or woman who's born again, a man or woman who's not born again. The one who's born again has heard the truth about Jesus and believed it and received it and confessed and been saved. Compared to a, born, a, a man or woman who's not born again, they've either never heard it or heard it and not yet believed or received. Okay. But again, the defining factor there is truth and response to the truth. Now, We've said the stronger the truth, listen to me please. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. We've said it twice already tonight. Let me say it one more time. The, the stronger the truth, the stronger the resistance to the truth. The greater the truth, the greater resistance to the truth. Okay? But also, the stronger the truth, the stronger the results that truth will produce in our lives once internalized. The greater the truth, the greater the difference that truth will make in our lives. If the truth sets us free and you've got things that don't seem, uh, you know, you, you're struggling walking in freedom in areas in your life, how about hit it with some stronger truth? 
hit that thing with some stronger truth. Amen. Because the truth will break every chain. Now, because the truth sets us apart, because the truth brings separation from the world unto God, the stronger the truth, also then the greater the separation. And this becomes part of the resistance. This is why Jesus said, if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father. Now Jesus isn't just playing, playing hardball here. What He's saying, if you're going to be ashamed of Him, He'll be ashamed of you. And in other words, at some point, we're going to have to take a step up into the truth and let the religious chips fall where they may. But this intimidates a lot of people. Remember, because what was, what was some of the main uh, resistance leveled against Jesus by the religious establishment of His day? If you're so much as caught listening to His sermon, you will be excommunicated from the synagogue. We will blackball you, we will put you out, we will separate you, we will alienate you, right? So this religious spirit, see, it, 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 it demands, it demands uh, universal agreement. So when someone begins to break from the pack, embracing stronger truth, right? You need to be prepared for the backlash from the religious bunch. Let me try to show you what I mean. I want you to compare just a random belief in God. I mean, that's truth. There, there is a God, right? We believe in God. We do believe in God around here, don't we? Okay, all right. So we believe in God. I, I want you to compare that to believing in only one true and living God whose name is Jehovah. See, now, you just separated yourself from a bunch of folks, right? People say, well, I mean, we're all praying to the same God. Some people call Him Allah. Some people call Him Buddha. Some people call Him, uh, you know, Jehovah. But really, there's just one God and it's everybody's prayer. No! No! So do you see now a stronger truth, not just that we believe in God. It's true there is a God. But see, we don't just believe in some random existence of a divine being. We believe that there's only one true and living God who is Jehovah. Well, if you believe that's true, you just separated yourself from a whole lot of folks who are more than likely going to whisper behind your back or even get in your face and call you intolerant. Or even say that you hate, you hate people just because you disagree and choose to believe the truth. All right? Okay, so how about this? Compare believing in a random God, the divine intelligence, whatever, to only one true and living God, Jehovah. Compare that now to believing that God forgives sin. You know, it's kind of like, Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya, right? This sweet, sweet God who forgives us, right? Compare that to believing there's only one 
way to heaven and His name is Jesus. And if you do not have the Son, you do not have life, but are still in your sin and the wrath of God abides upon you still. Well, see, if you believe the latter over the former, you just separated yourself from a whole bunch of folks. Because after all, Pastor Mark, I mean, we're all God's children, aren't we? No, we're not. The Bible says those who have received Him have been given the power, the authority to become sons of God, right? Who were born, but not of blood, not of man, not of the will of the flesh, but who were born of God. Okay, let's, let's keep on going here now. What if you dare to believe what the Bible says about sexual sin of all kinds? Oh, now see, whoa, ho, 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 wait just a minute, Pastor Mark. You hate her. You're so intolerant. No, no, see, again, notice what's happening here. We're believing truth that's setting us apart. How about this one? What if you believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in unknown tongues. Right? He's, he's one of them. He's one of them. Good. All right? See? See? Right? And so now people ask, oh, yeah. You go down that Heritage Christian Center church I've heard. Yeah, yeah, well, um, what kind of church is that? A Baptist church? No, no, it's a method. No, no, we're non-denominational. Oh, non-denominational, that's good. Um, Y'all speak in tongues down there? So then you're like, well, I mean, like, not every Sunday. You know. Um, see, you know. Noticing now we start fishtailing a little bit. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I was praying in unknown tongues for you driving to work this morning. See, now, but notice, you may not get invited to the lunchtime devotion. Okay? Because again, it's a stronger truth, right? I'm trying to show you how the truth separates. How about if you're crazy enough to believe that it's God's will for all to be healed? And then I'm going to tell you one, the devil, I believe he fights it almost as hard, if not harder, than it's God's will for all to be healed. And that's the truth that it's God's will for all to prosper financially. Who do you think wants the church broke, God or the devil? Who, who, who do you think is opposed to you having money to help people hear the gospel around the world? That's not God. But what we're on now, 
oneness with God. That's the one even the tongue-talking prosperity folks will look at you a little funny over. Right? That's, that's, that's the extreme, man. That's, the, that's like the, oh, he's not going there. He's not one of them, is he? I mean, we, we can, you know, if he ever teaches on the Holy Spirit, we can miss for a few Sundays till he gets out of his system. But I don't know about this now. Can we really, can we really deal with that? That's just... All right, John chapter 17. I may not have, I'm just going to read it to you. Okay? Listen to what he says. Verse number 9. Jesus praying to his Father. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. He's talking about his disciples. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. This is speaking of Judas Iscariot, right? But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I'm not going to comment, I'm just going to read, but I am going to have to comment here. The joy that Jesus is referring to here is the joy that he experienced in fellowship and oneness with his Father. He's saying, I'm coming to you so that they can have the joy in them that I have in me. And I'll show you in Scriptures where the joy that was in Jesus was the joy that He had because of His oneness with the Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I have given them your word, and the world has thought they were the sweetest, most precious thing ever. Is that what it says? No, hated them. Because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. If we're not of the world, who are we of? If we did not come from this world, if we're no longer one with this world, who are we one with? Are you following what I'm saying? He's talking about something that took place uh, and, and, and it has taken place in us now through the new birth. Listen, brother, sister, we, we don't belong here. We are strangers here. We are foreigners. We, we're not, this isn't our home. We, we quit trying to be one with a world that didn't birth you, that doesn't know you, and that doesn't love you, and that doesn't have what you need. You have what it needs. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I have preached this at one level of truth for many years, that we've been given the same commission as Jesus, going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But he didn't just say, uh, you know, 
I sent them to do what you sent me to do. He said, I sent them to do what you sent me to do as you sent me to do it. How was Jesus sent in this world as a, as a human being to do His Father's will? He was sent into this world as a human being to do His Father's will as a human being who was one with God. So when He says, I'm sending them as you sent me, God the Father sent Jesus into the world as a human being, yet as a human being He was one with God. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone. This is where you and me also come into this even in a stronger way. But also for those who, who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me. And I in you that they also may be one in us. Jesus is in the Father. Father's in Jesus. Jesus is one with the Father. Father's one with Jesus. Everybody's happy until we include us in this. He didn't say we would sort of be like, kind of be like, almost be like one with Him. He said that we would be one with Him in the same way that Jesus is one with the Father and the Father is one with Jesus, that you would be one with the Father as, as Jesus is one with the Father and that you would be one with Jesus as, Jesus as the Father is one with Jesus. That's what He's saying here, right? That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Again, I in them. How, how are... How are, when he says, just as we are one, how is we are one? In other words, how is Jesus and the Father one? I in them and you in me, that they may be, may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Wow. Okay, stand with me. Praise God. Thank you for letting me go a few minutes longer tonight. Come on, say it, baby. A while ago when you were talking about the um, enemy fighting people receiving that were supposed to be blessed and prosper, in our finances. When I was on the trip um, out of town, out of state a few weeks ago, I was getting to share with somebody just a few minutes and we were talking and, and I was trying to share with her that God wants us to be blessed and prosper and be debt free. I said, I, you know, confess all the time we're debt free and we're blessed and we prosper and, and um, that God wants to bless us in that area of our finances and, and you know, that it's all through the word and they looked at me and they said, now, Wait a minute, though. We, we, do that our, we did that ourselves. And I said, well, yeah, you're supposed to be a good steward and have wisdom. I said, but he still wants you to be debt-free and wants to bless you. So we have a covenant that the blessing flows through us. There's a transfer of wealth from the kingdom into our lives. And, 
And, the, and she said it again. She said, but we did it ourselves. And it's that quick. The Holy Spirit said, tell her she did her sins herself too. And, and so I said, yeah, we do our sins ourselves too, but you don't have any problem asking him to forgive you of your sins. And she went, it's like, it's like her, she went, oh, that's right. You know, it's like for that, it's like it just came open to her. Oh my goodness. I do do my sins myself, but we don't have any problem asking him to forgive your sins. You know what I'm saying? Because there's no block there, but to say you're debt free or to confess that the blessing of the Lord, he makes one rich and then no sorrow with it. See, there's a, there's a hesitation, there's a pullback there. But I'm just so thankful the Holy Spirit, like I said, that quick, he said, tell her she, she did her sins herself too, but I took care of all that and I'll take care of that too. So... Just don't, don't draw back. Don't pull short. Receive everything he has for you. Because I'm telling you, you can't expect, you can't ask. You can't, he'll do more and above what you can ask or think or believe. So Amen. I just had to share that. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> Amen. I know it's time to go and I know you're standing. Just listen to me, please. If you will go after your oneness with God, you will have no trouble believing everything He has ever said or given or done for you. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, you know, trying to believe this. Remember what we said about We've struggled for years in the body of Christ with unity, with oneness within the body, and we will continue to struggle with it until we understand the only thing that makes us one is our oneness with Him. Our oneness with Him. And so when you realize your oneness with Him, it makes righteousness very easy to believe. When you realize your oneness with Him, it makes healing very easy to believe. When you realize your oneness with Him, listen to me, it makes ministry very easy. Because see, now you're like, I'm not... Lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Well, if it's just you laying right, as what did Brother Hagin used to say, empty hands on empty heads, you know. No, no, see, no, no, it's, see, we, we, I, I'm, when I lay my hands, right, how about Second Corinthians 5? When you speak, it's as if he's speaking through you. Amen. Amen. Father, you're good to us. We love you. I thank you for what you're teaching us. I thank you for men and women who are hungry to hear it. I pray that everything we put our hands to this week would prosper for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Thank you for being here. Youth tomorrow night, church Wednesday night, discipleship class, fall festival, a lot going on this week. You'll be blessed.